0: Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome
1: to The Safety Guru. Have we got an episode for you today? So we just reviewed last episode, the top 10 themes that came out of 2020 on The Safety Guru Podcast. Today, I'm with Dr. Josh Williams, and we're coming up with the 21 for 21 predictions of what to look for for safety in 2021. Strap yourself in
0: because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go.
1: So, Josh, over to you. What's the number one thing you think we need to look out for as we enter 2021?
2: Well, thanks, Eric. I wish I had a crystal ball. I'd be in Vegas right now trying to make some money. <laughs> but the uh, the one thing I keep, I keep hearing mergers and acquisitions everywhere I turn. M&A, and and a So I think that's going to be one of the things we really need to be uh, focused on.
1: Yeah, and, and I think on this one, really how we drive out fear from it, uh how we involve team members, get to a common culture quickly, and, and don't forget about safety culture in the acquisition.
2: Yeah, this may be a goofy analogy, but there was a movie called The Blind Side, and and it was really interesting. You know, these 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 folks uh basically adopt a young man who was homeless. Uh it turns out to be Michael Orr, made a million millions of dollars playing playing football, but it was about, you know how do you integrate someone into your family? And it's the same thing in m I think the act of caring, you know, the clear expectations, checking in to see how he's doing, all these things, these soft skills, that know, along the way, they learn some things too from him. So I think we need to be real mindful on those m as that we're checking in on people, making sure they're feeling okay, setting good expectations, working with them, uh, and, and also learning from them as we go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good analogy. And the, the other piece that comes to mind for me is due diligence. Too often I hear about, uh, an executive who's completing an acquisition, and then afterwards something real bad happens, and they say, "I wish we had done better due diligence. We would have known we needed to act faster, do something faster." Um, so, looking at that as part of due diligence, I think is something to, to, to we're going to see more of going into twenty twenty one. Yep. Yep. Uh, theme number two for me, and I, it, part of it is a wish and part of it is uh, I, I think it's, we're finally going to start cracking the code there, is around SIF and SIF potential, serious injuries and fatalities. Uh, when you look at big macro data, uh, last 10 years, great results in terms of reduction of injuries across uh, companies, across organizations. Unfortunately, no impact around fatalities. Uh, we're starting to hear more and more people starting to realize that what it takes to address SIFs looks different. Takes different actions. I think this is a year we're going to start seeing more on that on that side.
2: Yeah, and I think the I think folks are moving in that direction, which is a good thing. You know, the challenge that you know we see a lot is just metrics. It's all metrics, dart rates, and TRIR, and was it a recordable? It's like we get so lost in the weeds on the metrics. We sometimes forget of the human aspect for one thing, but also. There's a difference between twisting your ankle because you stepped wrong out of a car and falling 30 feet because you didn't tie off. So moving towards that sif recognition and potential and, and awareness, I think is I think it's a good trend.
1: I I, I love it.
2: Yeah, and I would add uh, number three for uh, the next one for me. Number three would be I'm going to call it BHA. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> love it. It's uh, sort of a, a hybrid of behavioral safety and human performance. You know. <laughs> people can get territorial uh, on this stuff. And, and one of the, you know, we've seen this for years, both of us have this kind of flavor of the month, you know, you do something and then something new shiny comes along and we, Totally abandon the stuff that was working before, instead of integrating it into new stuff we're doing. So in that evolution, I think, you know, a couple of quick hitter elements on on the human performance, doing mm-hmm. the peer checks. So instead of checking hard hats, we're checking: Are you doing okay? What do you need? What would help you do the job better? Um, you know, getting it's more conversational. It's about the conversation, not the cards. Correct. And there's some other things you know uh, that, that go into that whole human performance side, but, but there's behavioral elements too in the whole process of getting information, responding to it, getting back to folks. That's part of the embedding that everyone's looking for. So I think combining uh, behavioral and human performance elements uh, is something we're going to see more of in 2021.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, and I think the the part that I've learned over the years is that holistic view is the answer. People that are dogmatic about one way or the other, um, you don't get results that way. Business is more complex; it takes a bit of everything. Lucky, I love your thought around integrating B hop. So, uh, for me, number four is around virtual work. Whether you like it or not, it's it's here to stay. Uh, It's definitely going to be a trend we're going to see into 2021, just seeing some states starting to mandate people to to work from home, those that start going back to the offices. Uh, A lot of businesses are still working virtually. People are seeing that you can make it work virtually. There's going to be some form of blended work or some form of uh, of virtual work for, for many years to come, which I think brings a lot of opportunities when you embrace it, but it's really that element of how do we embrace it, how to safety jump into this. The dialogue's a bit different. Uh, You need to check in differently. Uh, People have adapted. Some businesses have done phenomenally well over the last several months. Um, I hope that continues in terms of that drive, that personalization.
2: Yeah, and that checking in part, it leads to my number five, which is mental health, uh, particularly with remote workforce. Um, You know, we we have some studies, and we did a podcast on this before, but uh, I believe I'm correct on the numbers, but pre-COVID for, for folks 30 years and younger, uh, rates of, of, uh, of like depression, anxiety, and some of those things was like at 4% uh, more or less. Uh, after COVID or during COVID, it rose to 38%. So people are, are feeling isolated. Mm. People are feeling alone. And so I think that mental health uh, issue we're starting to see more companies include that in some of the, the 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 talks they do with folks it's not just about straining your back it's about how are you doing mentally and i think it's a great great thing that we're destigmatizing some of these mental health factors we're going to be seeing more of that in 2021 and beyond i believe I, I completely
1: agree and and i definitely hope that's an area of focus and we just had guests on the podcast talking about mental health and well-being in, in construction in different industries Um, It's important that there's a real dialogue because somebody uh, who's got some challenges needs some support. And and without it, you're going to have real physical injuries as well. Uh, So both the the mental and the physical side of safety, so, so critical going into 2021. Mm. Uh, Next one for me as number six is really around digitization. You can't turn a page in the newspaper without reading about new apps, new tools, new technology, the IoT, robotics, all that kind of stuff. It brings a ton of new opportunities uh, from safety, uh, new ways of capturing data, insights, uh, seeing what's happening real-time, live, uh, people with webcams being able to monitor what's what's happening, connect with each other. Huge opportunities uh, for safety if applied the right way. Uh, gizmos you can put galore uh, to, to improve safety and, and, and feedback loops back in um, that I, I think we're going to see more of. We've definitely seen in 2020 a lot more focus on digitization. People have to do it because of, of not being able to connect face to face as much. Uh, So it's accelerated the speed of this at a huge pace.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And and for number seven, what do you have? Uh,
1: For number seven, I, um, I would say it's re-engineering. So uh, starting to think about how to remove the hazard. We talked at number two about SIFs and SIF potential. Part of it is really starting to look at the highest hazard risks that you had and start saying, well, with the Internet of Things, with robotics, with all the advances we've got, is there a way to remove that injury from even happening? Is there a way to remove that team member from actually doing the work that could get them in danger? So if I'm thinking about working at heights, could the work be done by a drone? If I'm thinking about uh, confined spaces, could I send a robot instead of a human in that space? So really rethink where we send the human, where the risk is, uh, and and removing the the high risk events from being done by a person. uh, Because at the end of the day, serious injuries and fatalities need to go down.
2: It's funny you mentioned drones, because my number eight is Big Brother. Uh, big brother is watching. I was playing golf uh, a couple of weeks ago before it got cold here and a drone flew over and was like following me for a couple of holes. <laughs> I, I didn't appreciate I've seen my golf swing on video. It's not pretty. So I felt a little like my uh, space had been invaded by this drone flying overhead, watching me screw up. But, but I think big brother is going to be more and more of an issue. We're having more cameras out there. We're checking on, are people wearing their PPE. In some cases, we've got sensors on people. Now, it can be used for good, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, uh, but I think we've gotta be mindful of people's rights and sort of getting buy-in from folks and why this helps, and we're not using it to get people in trouble. So I think Big Brother and uh, and, and and using it for good, uh, not bad, is gonna be something we're gonna be seeing uh, next year and, and for the next decade, really.
1: So you're saying it's 1984 and 2021?
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly, with better technology. Yeah, I, I would also add it with a
1: with Big Brother piece is is the change management around it, how you're using you touch on it, so, so critical um, in terms of getting at the right result. Otherwise, you could get people dialing down their safety ownership uh, and, and not taking action responsibility on the right things. So many negative, adverse effects if you don't do it the right way.
2: And that brings me to number nine, which is, kind of a hybrid of ownership and no blame. So we want more of that engagement like you're talking about. We don't want people shutting down. And that's one of the things we touched on a second ago with human performance. One of the really good things that the the HP folks have done is trying to fight this blame the employee thing. Mm. And, And that's a big issue of first response being where did the system fail instead of how did you screw up? So some of that's cognitive Psychology. We'll talk more about that in a bit, but a lot of that too is is sort of ownership and no blame. That's we've got to change that mentality and keep moving down that road.
1: Yeah, so so critical. I'll definitely
2: agree with you there.
1: So it gets me to number ten. Uh, so so for me, ten is really I'm expecting big generational shifts to start occurring in 2021. Um, I, I, I'm expecting to see more. Millennials, uh, Gen Z, I think they're called that entering the the workplace now. Um, With that comes a need to rethink how we do our training. Uh, I I, I get frustrated with people who keep saying uh, our training training doesn't work. Blame the new generation. That's why it doesn't work. There's something wrong with the new generation. There's nothing wrong with the next generation. What there is is we need to adapt to uh, how they learn, the approaches, new technology micro learnings all sorts of different things the old classroom uh, let me let me send you into room and you sit down for for four days might not work in an environment where people grew up with iPads and, and technology day in and day out uh, they're expecting more interactive more real-time uh, type of training so we need to deliver to that expectation.
2: Yeah, uh, these kids, I'm old enough to say kids now, I mean, they're smart, they're They're moving quickly, there's a lot of things happening quickly, we're we're trying to grab attention, so those 5-10 minute bite-sized quick hitters uh, is the wave of the future, it's not going away, so I'm with you on number 10. For 11, I have predictive analytics, and Mm -hmm. it's all this big data, it's really interesting, I mean, you look at modeling, and that may have been part of, you know, you know, with COVID and vaccines and all the the crazy stuff they can do with technology and and, and modeling and all these things. And I think predictive analytics may be related to that to some degree because Mm -hmm. you feed in a bunch of information and you're finding out where it's more likely something bad is going to happen, where one of those sifts are going to occur. So assuming the data coming in is good, there's a mountain of of evidence and big smart computers Mm -hmm. that can analyze all these numbers and tell us where our dangers are. So I I foresee that being a bigger issue in uh, 2021.
1: Yeah, and I think that space is going to expand. I'm definitely seeing some organizations getting into predictive analytics to the job level. So that what are the components in a job that are going to increase the probability of a risk? Uh, but it doesn't remove the fact that I still need the, the safety ownership that you talked about in number, time, in number nine, uh, in that I, I can have a warning sign that this job is higher risk. I need to do something about it. It's just like driving down on on a curve on the side of a mountain. I could get a sign that tells me I need to slow down for this curve, but I still need to take action.
0: Hold on tight. We are in the overdrive.
1: Uh, So number 12 gets me to shifts in the workplace. Number 10, I talked about it in the impact on on training. Um, So I'm not a – I don't have a crystal ball, but I I would expect we're probably going to see – more faster retirements within baby boomers occurring. Uh, I've already seen in a lot of organizations where baby boomers are saying, "You know what? I, I'm not sure I want to to take on this challenge. We're going to give it to the next generation." Uh, there may be some shifts in terms of the workforce around it. That uh, this with that that the I would expect we're probably going to see some issues, some challenges around knowledge transfer, knowledge management, because whenever it's not well pre thought, pre planned. Um, that's where risk hazards can start coming through in terms of of really uh, that generational shift that may be coming into the workplace. Uh, but also in terms of the number of workers that are coming in. Uh, we came in from an environment where it was really hard to find talent. That the, There were so many uh, great, talented people all employed. Uh, now we're seeing a lot of shifts. All of that brings opportunities and challenges when it comes to safety.
2: Yeah, that scares me too. I mean, you can't buy... You know, experience and people learn things over time. And when they leave and they're headed out the door, especially if they're not super happy for whatever reason, <laughs> there's that knowledge gap happening. And the other part of it you mentioned too, which is we don't have as many people. And that's one of the things that's kind of scared me. It's been going on, I would say, the last ten years or so. But it seems like the last year or two, we're seeing lean and mean. That's my number thirteen. Yeah, I get too lean and mean. We just don't have enough people, and I don't care how good your messaging is. Safety number one, safety first, we care about you. Now, all that matters. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I'm more willing to buy that when we've got enough people out here to do the job because sometimes it's a four-person job and there's two of us, you know. So lean and mean is something we're going to have to figure out. We need to improve scheduling. We need to improve, you know, planning uh, and hopefully we get some more folks, but that's a, that's a trend I I, I don't think is going to change anytime soon.
1: Yeah, lean and mean, chop X, whatever you want to call it, uh, it can drive production pressure. How you mm. balance it becomes really the key yeah. key
2: component around it. People are telling us they're burned out. You know, they're burning out because they're working so so much, mm-hmm. and and uh, that work life balance and that time pressure, that production pressure leads to incidents. You know, we do these root cause and say it was operator error. Well, yeah, but it's also Big time time pressure contributing, too. So there's a lot of hidden things related to safety when we go lean and mean.
1: Uh, 100% agree. Gets me to number 14, which is really the importance of leaders. Uh, and more and more conversations I'm seeing as we're progressing around leadership development. How do you become more innovative about it? Uh, not just about let me throw you into our training program. But much more about give me insights, give me something that's more meaningful in terms of how my leadership team is working and showing up from a safety leadership standpoint, from a safety commitment standpoint, Uh, thinking about how do I get more frequent data insights that I can act on and linking it back to strategy. So really making leadership development more than a classroom exercise, but full on commitment for senior leaders, for leaders across the, the chain in an organization to drive real impact, tangible impact. And it, it brings me to a data point that I, I came across the other day. Uh, this was in one organization we were working with, leaders that were spending the most time, like the top 25% I spend the most time interacting through the, with their frontline team members day in and day out. Guess what? Through COVID-19 and above and beyond, they found a way to do the same amount of effort, commitment, and showing up. Those that weren't, so the 75 percentile at the bottom, that weren't spending as much time interacting with their team members, they found COVID-19 as the excuse why they couldn't show Mm. up anymore. So great leaders Mm. continue to be great. How do you get the Mm. others to get great?
2: Yeah, and that brings me to 15, which is uh, leadership, commitment, and behaviors. Because sometimes Mm. I have the right intentions. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But I'm not exactly sure what to do, and so we we actually work with uh, you know companies and leaders to come up with specific habits and even micro habits that they're doing. We do commitment workshops. We talk about specific, detailed actions that we're going to do, and we we list them out. It's personalized. They get a schedule to do it because we're all busy, but it 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 makes it more tangible. So it's not just an emotion. It's not just a feeling. We're listing out specific, objective observable behaviors and leaders like it gives them a specific game plan moving forward to support safety i
1: i think that's a great one and number 16 to me is i would say let's not forget about supervisors and supervisory skill sets day in and day out when you talk to a frontline team member they typically have two influences day to day in their life and it ain't the ceo hmm. it's their supervisor and if they've got a union it's the union rep. So that's really the element. How do you hone that supervisory skill set? Supervisors in many organizations come from the front line. They were the best to do and they get to, to get the job done. And then, bam, you get a supervisory job, but you don't necessarily get the training around it. I'm not talking about HR training. I'm not talking about uh, skills around how to manage a, a labor contract. I'm talking about how do I coach? How do I influence my team? How do I get the right results on the most critical job, but the one that's probably the most underfunded in terms of development across America.
2: Amen. The New Year Countdown.
1: Uh, and and Which then gets me to to number 17, uh, which is really around uh, returning to work. We've got a whole workforce that's going to be not used to going to an office for probably a year or more. And suddenly, at some point in 2021, they're going to be driving to work. They'll be going up and down stairs. They're going to be used to all the usual challenges that would happen before, except they lost the habituation. So the risk is, had you returned to work, you need to be intentful. You need to draw back attention to the hazards that exist uh, to make sure that people don't uh, make mistakes.
2: Yeah, and checking in on people to see how that transition's going. It's going to be tough for all of us. So mm-hmm. it's not just physical dangers. It's the mental well-being. How are we doing? How are we adapting? Uh, I'm with you because it's, hopefully it's coming soon. We know it's coming. Um, so my, my number 18, I just read an article talking about transformations. Why do they fail? 75% fail. And, they, and the article was basically saying it's not about strategy. It's about how people feel about it. You know, there's this invisible passive resistance sometimes when change efforts come about. Again, not because the strategy is bad, it's because we're not talking to people. So Mm. psychological safety is my number 18. And this is another thing, a, a good trend. I think we're hearing more and more about it, but people need to feel open to speak up and let people know how they're feeling. And so that's part of it is setting that tone, but it's also organizationally. How do we set up systems to get input from people that are on the job doing the job? So whatever kind of committees or workshops or meetings or Uh, tailgates or you know town hall meetings whatever it is we need to be focusing all the time on psychological safety people need to feel free to speak up and let them know let people know what's going on it just leads to a better healthier safer work environment and it brings me to number 19 which is learning environment We're hearing more and more about learning environment, and again, that's a good trend. We're going to see more of it in 2021, and I want to focus on the systems of it. Like, as an example, close call reporting in the safety world is something we should be reinforcing. I know you've uh, done some work with Toyota where they really reinforce uh, reporting these near hits or or close calls. But that's a system factor where it's not just an isolated incident where I tell my buddy, uh, we're telling everybody. And, and I'm learning from different regions or districts where things could have could have gone wrong and they didn't, but we learn from it and we make adjustments. Uh, so learning environment is from safety suggestions. It's from close calls. It's from incidents. It's from just good ideas that employees have. If you want to improve operations, talk to people that do the work. Yeah. They've got good creative solutions. And that's part of that, uh, that learning environment.
1: Yeah, I think it, it, I like to, to, for me, learning environment is getting people to see things, opportunities in front of them. Teaching them how to solve it to get better at, at, at solving those issues and then sharing and embedding it across the system, across the, 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 the organization.
2: So, so and, critical. And buying is so much higher. I know you've heard me say this, Eric, but very quick example. Behavioral observations, NIOSH study, half the group given a card, go use it. The other half, create your own card and how to use it. The the group that developed their own card, the card wasn't quite as good, but the involvement participation rates were seven times higher. That's almost unheard of. Why? Because you're engaging people, to your point, to make their own decisions, do their own problem solving. It's just smart business. You get better solutions, you get more buy-in. And that brings me to my last one, number 20. I'll save the grand finale for you. (laughs) uh, Number 20 for me is more emphasis on brain science. We're learning more and more about how the brain works. We know about, you know, seven units of information. Telephone numbers are seven digits because that's all we can remember reliably. Um, we're learning also about some biases that get us in trouble. A couple of quick ones, um, fundamental attribution error. If, a, if I do something wrong, I blame the environment. Uh, but if somebody else does something wrong, I blame them. That's, that's the fundamental attribution error, and it's problematic with injuries. Because if I get hurt, I'm looking at all these different reasons why somebody else doing a report may be blaming the person. That's a fundamental attribution error. Confirmation bias. We look for evidence. That's why people that watch, <laughs> CNN, watch CNN, people that watch Fox, watch Fox. We're looking for information that confirms what we already believe. And that's a human nature. That's just a cognitive. Tversky and Kahneman, for those of you interested, uh, are the first ones that really kind of broke through on some of these biases, but but that can get us into trouble because we're not always open to new ideas and new thinking. So I think focusing on how the brain works and, and getting rid of some of those biases that don't help us out is something we'll see more of next year.
1: Yeah, and that reminds me of an article, I think it was late 90s, early 2000, in Harvard Business Review, just talked about biases and, and how do you become more aware of some of those biases so you reduce the risk of, of error that comes out of it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which gets me to number 21. So the 21 right. themes to look out for in 2021.
0: The wait is over. Three,
1: two, one. Uh, is safety's being at the table like never before? Health and safety is key for businesses to stay open and has been across 2020 and will be into 2021. Capitalize on the opportunity. You've got executive access. You've talked about some of the themes around uh, uh, safety cultures, the safety of of the workforce. How do we make this something that sticks, that matters beyond 2020, beyond 2021, so that we make a real future impact? Too many safety leaders are telling me, hey, I don't have enough access, I don't have enough influence skills at the leadership level. Now's the opportunity. You've had it. Now it's the time to make it real. Uh, and that tops our tw- top 21 for 2021. So, Josh,
2: Happy New Year. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. That was fun. Hey, happy well. New Year to you and to everyone listening. Happy New Year. The future is already here.
0: and tell everyone thank you for listening to the safety guru on c-suite radio leave a legacy distinguish yourself from the pack grow your success capture the hearts and minds of your teams fuel your future come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the ops guru eric mccroskey